Are you trying to squeeze the starting solid food stuff into your already busy schedule? Well, I have an all-in-one done-for-you solution that's going to take the guesswork out of feeding your baby. My online program is called Baby Led Weaning with Katie Ferraro. It contains all of my baby led weaning training videos, the original 100 First Foods content library, plus a 100-day meal plan with recipes like the exact sequence of which foods to feed in which order. So if you want to stop trying to piece all this feeding stuff together on your own, I would be honored if you would join me inside of the program. You can get signed up at babyledweaning.co slash program. Hi, friends. Are you looking for a new podcast? Maybe something you can share with your littles? Something that has some storytelling in it? Well, then look no further. We have Storytime with Philip and Mommy, where my son and I sit and discuss all the great books that you might love while we read them. So, Little Golden Books, Berenstain Bears, and even the new classics like Bluey. We sit down, we read, we discuss, and we have so much fun doing it. Come and join us. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So biggest tip, get a baby wrap or a baby carrier and keep that baby just on you all the time. Sometimes the older that they get, they struggle with the carrier, but most newborn babies are going to be totally fine on you all the time. Hey there, I'm Katie Ferraro, registered dietitian, college nutrition professor, and mom of seven specializing in baby led weaning. Here on the Baby Led Weaning Made Easy podcast, I help you strip out all of the noise and nonsense about feeding leaving you with the confidence and knowledge you need to give your baby a safe start to solid foods using baby-led weaning. Well, hey guys, and welcome back. Today's episode is for the moms who are doing baby-led weaning, but are also pregnant. How do you juggle back-to-back babies when you're pregnant and starting solids with your baby? Now, I know some of you have your kids really close together. I have my kids super close together. We had seven kids, three and under at one point, two sets of multiples, set of quadruplets, set of twins, total pandemonium, absolute chaos. It's not easy juggling babies. And my guest today knows that more than anyone. I am so excited that Liesl Teen is with us. She's at Mommy Labor Nurse. I know a lot of you guys might know her and follow her. She is a registered nurse. She's the founder of Mommy Labor Nurse. Her goal is to educate and empower moms in the online space about the birth process. And so what we're talking about today are some particulars for this interesting situation where you find yourself pregnant, but you're also starting solids with your baby, or maybe you have a baby transitioning into toddlerhood. What are the things you need to be focusing on in order to make sure you can take care of yourself, take care of the baby, take care of the baby-to-be? She's got some great tips. So with no further ado, let's dive in to learning about how to do it when you're pregnant and starting solids, juggling back-to-back babies with mommy labor nurse, Liesl Teen RN. Well, hi, Liesl. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. This is so exciting because I have gotten to be on your podcast and tell my story. And now I would love it if you could just introduce yourself, tell us your story and how it is that you came to be known as Mommy Labor Nurse. Yeah. So let's see. Let's go back about four years. I have been a labor and delivery nurse for longer than four years, but I was a nurse. I worked in the emergency department, always wanted to do labor and delivery, got into labor and delivery and worked for a couple of years on night shift, got pregnant with my first son, who he's four and a half now, and went back to work at about three months postpartum. It's how it is here in the United States, just typical, you know, three-month maternity leave. Came back working almost full-time 
And I love my job as a labor and delivery nurse, but every day that I would leave, I was like, oh, I want to just stay home with my baby. I wish I could drop to part-time so I could, you know, stay home with my baby a little bit more. And our situation was like, you know, I kind of needed to work as much as I needed to work for financial sake. So I was like, okay, is there any way I can do something part-time on the side so I can drop my status a little bit so I can stay home with my baby? So I got to kind of thinking, I did full-time for, or almost, we call it three-quarter time. I did that till he was about eight months old. And then I did drop to part-time, started to kind of think about blogging at that point. Didn't have any idea even what I wanted to blog about, but got the idea that, you know, I wanted to blog about something. And then it just kind of hit me and I was like, uh, duh, I'm a labor and delivery nurse. Like that's a perfect idea. I'm a labor and delivery nurse and a mom. And there's all these mom blogs out there. Like, why not have a labor and delivery nurse mom blog? So I got to thinking about it, started a Pinterest page, started a website. It looked way different than it does now. I wasn't even called mommy labor nurse back then. It was a completely different name, but I started it, launched it when he was about a year. So I took a couple months to kind of get it going. And then he was about a year and I was part-time, I think still at that point. And, you know, I just kind of did my thing, started writing articles. I was really into writing articles and doing stuff on Pinterest. And I had an Instagram page at that point, but again, it looked very, very different than it does now. I wasn't even called mommy labor nurse. I um, would post about, was trying to kind of be like one of those lifestyle kind of pages. And, you know, sometimes I would throw something labor and delivery in there, but it was just very not organized, very like kind of all over the place. And then A few months after that, about six months later, I started getting a little bit more into Instagram marketing and how to make my page a little bit more cohesive. I took a course on that. So I changed my brand to Mommy Labor Nurse. I started to change the way that I take pictures. And luckily, so this is something that a lot of people don't know about me unless they follow me very closely or kind of have been following me way back when. But my dad is actually a professional photographer And he's retired now, but he was a professional wedding photographer in the 90s, you know, when I was growing up and he did children's photography. So in my childhood house, which I live about 10 minutes from now, he has like a big studio that has a big white backdrop and he has all this knowledge of photography. Wow, you are so lucky. So lucky. So I got this idea. So I was like, you know, dad can help me take pictures if he needs to take pictures. So I started off taking pictures in my parents' studio. My dad took a lot of my pictures in the beginning. And it's kind of funny if you realize that, if you look back at some of my very early pictures of like me, you know, pretending to like push a baby out or I'm like doing this really weird face and I'll get comments from people being like, you're your own medical actor. I love it. (laughs) Exactly. I'm my own stock. Yeah. I put that on my story too, but before of like, these are funny stock pictures of Liesl. Like I take all these different kinds of like poses and stuff, but it's funny because I'll have comments saying like, you know, of a post that's an embarrassing post or something. And someone's like, did your dad take that picture? And I'm like, yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) So he's great. I mean, so it just kind of evolved from there. I started doing more things. Now I have a podcast. Now the website looks completely different. Now we are launching a third birth course in a couple of weeks. So it's just kind of growing. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. 
On weekends, we dive into the industry shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. What are the birth courses that you currently have? Because I didn't meet you until I was done having babies, but I'm still obsessed (laughs) with all your content, but I... (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, so right now we have two different ones right now, Birth It Up, the Natural Series, and Birth It Up, the Epidural Series. So the Natural Series is a prenatal course for someone who is a little bit more interested in going unmedicated, natural, kind of, you know, wants to avoid an epidural if possible. But I still talk about epidurals in that course just in case, you know, you change your mind midway, which happens. Oh, so you upsell them into the epidural series if they decide the natural route's not the way to go? Well, no, it's not like I'm pitching, hey, take this one too. I also add tidbits of like, okay, this is like what it's actually sort of like to get an epidural, you know. The epidural course is really just for someone who knows I definitely want an epidural, but I also want birth education. So talk to me like I know that I'm going to get an epidural. And in that one, I also have a section that is, oops, I accidentally went natural. Like, what the heck do I do? Because that situation happens too, where you go too quickly for your epidural. And then there's all this trauma because you thought you were going to get an epidural and then you go a little bit too fast. So so how do you take a class if you are like, if you intended to go epidural and then you ended up having natural, do they take the course after to see like for recovery, what they do in postpartum? No. So we recommend taking it before. So the reason why we kind of cross them is because, yeah, we have people who have had plenty of people take the epidural series knowing, okay, knowing I want to get an epidural, but also going over this section of like, oops, here's like some tips if this situation happens and how to get through it. Cool. So we recommend definitely that you take it before. We've had lots of moms, not lots and lots of moms, but a fair amount of moms say, I'm so glad that I took that little section. So I had some tips because I did go so fast and I was planning on an epidural, but I didn't get one. So I'm so glad that I at least knew of like some tips of how to get through this experience. So, and I know on our podcast, the majority of the moms listening have babies who are just starting solids at six to 12 months of age, but we have a huge contingency. And we just realized this recently, we did a bunch of market research (laughs) that are still pregnant and learning about baby led weaning, which I'm like, how are you that organized props to you? That's awesome. But a lot of people just like, I just want all the knowledge now before I have the baby. And like, yeah, I get it. But also a lot of moms who just had a baby and they're before the age of starting solid. So they're between zero to six months. And I know you have a newborn basics class that might be of interest to them as well. So could you maybe just share a little bit about that program? Yeah. So that's our third one that we have right now. So that is for someone who we actually recommend people taking that one right before they have their baby or soon thereafter, because that is exactly what it sounds like. It it teaches you on newborn basic care. So the reason that I made that course was actually because of COVID, because there are those baby care 101 classes that you can take from the hospital it teaches you about diapering and bathing and newborn characteristics and what to look for and schedules and like all of this kind of stuff that typically it's an in-person class where you go, it's, you know, you take your partner, that sort of thing. But a lot of these classes got canceled because of COVID. So there yeah. were no online options. So I said, okay, you know what? I feel well enough to make an online version myself. So I did. Which I think is awesome. Like, yeah, parents need that because I'll tell you a funny story. When I 
had my oldest. So I'm, you know, my birth story, but I had one singleton, like normal vaginal delivery, like a normal person. Yeah. And then I had quadruplets, which was obviously a planned C-section. That was at 34 weeks. Then I had a set of twins a year and a half later, and that was a planned C-section at 38 weeks. Yeah. But with my oldest, when we were in the hospital, like I had, I mean, it was fine, like nothing interesting about the birthing experience, except like the day after they rang a bell in the hospital and like, come to the new parent class, like on the floor. And I remember going there and you like are pushing the bassinet and you can like kind of not walk and my husband's there. And like, (laughs) I remember my baby was crying and the lady was like, oh, if you want to pick your baby up and wrap your baby. And I didn't like, She's like, why don't you swaddle your baby? And I was like, I don't know what that is. Like, <laughs> like I don't even know what swaddle. I remember feel, I was like, dang, I've been a mom for like five minutes and I already <laughs> feel like I don't know what I'm doing. And it was like kind of embarrassing because I was like, oh my God, all of these people have taken some sort of course that I didn't because all these babies were like wrapped like burritos. <laughs> and then I realized the nurse just showed them how to do it and you can totally ask. But like, I feel like if I had just known a little bit ahead of time, like, oh, swaddling is important. And, you know, I was like, God, it looks painful. Just some of those things to even be aware of. As a new mom, I remember just feeling like I was like a deer in the headlights. I'm like, oh my God, the baby's crying and I'm bothering everyone. I don't know how to swaddle and I don't know what swaddling is. Like, yeah, just being aware of this stuff in a class can be so helpful, I think. Yeah. And I think that is also true of baby led weaning, I'm sure. Like, I know that it's way more beneficial to, and that's what's the nice thing about online courses too, is like you can take it kind of beforehand and then you have access to it when you're actually going through it. Exactly. Because there is nothing like going through the experience and it, but right. also it would be nice to know what to expect. But I got to be honest, I remember my husband and I went to a, uh, like a full day hospital course with our first baby. And yeah. I have like a very short attention span to begin with. And like at lunchtime, I'm like, dude, we have to leave because I looked at the agenda <laughs> and after lunch, the entire agenda, it, they literally should have just called it everything that could go wrong. It was like, oh, if you have a vaginal tear and if this happens or that happens, I'm like, I don't want to sit here and hear about all the things that can go wrong. So I think yeah. we do sometimes run the risk of over-educating where then you just think about all these things that can go wrong. And obviously in your field, you know, like anybody who's had a baby and sees that you're pregnant feels obligated to tell you the worst possible story about their birth. They it's like, do. Dude, like, what is it about me that said I want to hear like your traumatic birth story? Like, no, thank you. Yeah, no, totally agree. And that's another advantage to online courses versus like being somewhere in person because if for some reason this subject that I have in the online course is triggering, you don't want to go over it, you can just skip it. You can't really skip in person unless, unless like you did, you literally skip it and walk out. Or, I literally you know. left. And he was like, we're leaving? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I was like, what if we miss something? And I was like, mm. I know a lot of moms have this, but like I bought him all these like books about fatherhood and I was reading like everything about, you know, your baby is the size of a peach today, that sort of yeah. stuff. <laughs> and I had bought him like a fatherhood one. And I'm like, you haven't even touched it. And he's like, I feel like when it happens, I'm just going to let my instincts kick in. And it's like, actually, he was so underprepared, but like, it was the best thing ever because like, we figured it out as we went, you know? Yeah, totally. And then like, now he has seven kids, but he's like, I, he's like, people ask him specific questions. He's like, I don't remember. And like, I'm like, I remember every single moment, like ask me, but like the dads don't always remember the details. No, they don't. And they don't even like, I asked my husband the other day, we were talking about, my older one versus my little one, like when they kind of started sleeping through the night. My husband remembers my little one sleeping through the night when he was about three months old, which is about the time that I transitioned him to his room. And he still occasionally would wake up. I mean, he was doing better than my than my little one. But I was like, no, there were still times that I went up there. Like he was not sleeping through the night at yeah, three exactly. months old. <laughs> 
like, you don't remember. I know you have to write. I look, I go back and look at my old Instagram posts, especially for feeding schedules. Cause parents like, you know, I remember some of them, but you have to write it down because you know, every baby's different or what you think yeah. you remember. Like I want to make sure I'm giving accurate information and say, you know, this is just my own experience, but here's what you might expect, especially if multiples that they would do at these different stages. But again, it is only one person's experience, but it doesn't hurt to hear lots of people's experiences. And I'd love to hear you know, your experiences from your audience and your expertise, because a lot of our moms are um, second time moms. What's interesting about baby led weaning, it's one of the few things that appeals to a second time parent, right? Like, yes, you can sell a first time mom anything. They will buy everything from the registry and get all the junk. And you realize like, you don't really need that many things to raise a baby healthfully and happily. I had a um, Nutribullet baby food that you used for a second, right? Yeah, (laughs) for my first one. It was like 50 bucks. People are like, I just bought this expensive baby food maker. I'm like, you realize if you have a pot with a lid on it and water, it does exactly what that $300 thing does. Yeah. Or if you really don't want to do like, if you really do want to do purees, like a blender, like you don't need a baby food maker. I know, dude, it's great. But the second time mom is like, wait a minute, hold up. Yes. I did traditional spoon feeding. Now I've got picky eating toddler. And there, you know, there's some degree of pickiness that sets in in the second year of life for almost all children. But we know with baby led weaning, it can really reduce the severity of the pickiness. And so the second time mom will be interested, like, all right, I'm willing to give this baby led weaning thing a try because I don't want to have another picky eater. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you for the moms that are in that position, like they have a baby and now they're pregnant again. So they might just be starting solids or really getting into the hang of weaning and now they're pregnant again. Are there like physical or physiological changes that they're, when you're pregnant back to back like that for those moms that are kind of cramming it all in that they need to be aware of if they're dealing with a baby and pregnant a second time? Yeah, for sure. So there's a lot of things that come up when we talk about pregnancy and, you know, in the first trimester and doing this thing, starting solids. That's a big thing. At least for me, it was with both of my babies. It's like something, like you said, you prep for, you start to read about, start to ask questions. This is like a big thing that you do with your baby. So there are a few things that come up if you find yourself pregnant, newly pregnant, typically, if your baby's about six or seven months old, you're probably going to be somewhere in that first trimester. So the first thing that I'm thinking about is issues with morning sickness and throwing up and giving baby foods that maybe you have aversions to, you're not so cool with, or even issues of like, I feel like I'm going to puke right now, but I don't want to leave my baby in the high chair and go puke because of a safety issue. Like I want to always, you know, be with my, you're always supposed to be with your baby while you're feeding them. So there's this issue of like being sick. What do I do? So unfortunately with the safety issue, some of the things that I've heard are, okay, instead of running to the toilet in a different room, maybe it's a hallway bathroom and you can still have, you know, access right there. Or maybe a lot of people like this is, we're getting really, you throw up in the sink the kitchen sink is right there. You know, I mean, you do what you got to do. You have a trash can there if you have the trash can. Babies typically, and you probably know better than I do, but I would think older children, adults, like are kind of grossed out when there's someone puking and they're trying to babies eat. Babies don't care at all. But babies don't give a crap. Yeah, exactly. So don't worry about that, okay? <laughs> like, unless you're actively throwing up on their plate, even then, no, I'm just kidding. There's no, yeah. No, I mean, that <laughs> is kind of gross. not going to okay. be an issue. Yeah. <laughs> 
Sorry to get gross, like no, right yeah, off the bat. No, but baby weaning moms are down with the mess. So they're just like, yeah, I mean, hang on a second. I got to go pee. But yes, exactly. correct. You should never leave your child unattended in the high chair. But the reality is you might not feel awesome in the morning. And we know that babies tend to do better in the morning if their first meal is good and they are engaged in their first meal. They tend to have greater participation later in the day. Don't beat yourself up about it. If you're not able to get that baby to the table for breakfast because you yourself are sick, you can't take care of other people if you're not taking care of yourself. So don't pressure yourself to do this every single day, every single breakfast. Absolutely not. And that's what's brings me to my next point. So the other issue is, yeah, maybe you're not feeling yourself in the morning and maybe you do need some help. Okay. Maybe you have family nearby or you have someone nearby, you have a babysitter, you have your partner to help you. This is a time in your life when you really need some help and it's okay to ask for help if you need it. Okay. Maybe that looks like, you know, I would think that a lot of moms, since this is such a big thing that you're starting solids with their first baby, you might have feelings of if someone else is feeding my child, I'm missing out on this experience. So you have, you know, some feelings of like guilt and that's understandable, of course. Maybe that looks like, okay, every day, you know, that someone else is feeding my baby, we're doing video, some, you know, you're taking a video of baby eating so you can see your baby, you can still kind of somewhat, you know, feel involved in the process. But And the baby's not going to remember. They have very short attention spans and memories. They're not going to remember that you weren't there and you do exactly. need to be taking care of yourself now. Now, let's fast forward for the moms, like the Irish twin, like you've got yeah. a 10, 11 month old and you just had a newborn. Now, again, you are the expert in all things related to labor and birth. So the skin to skin stuff, really recommended for the first few days to weeks after a mom delivers, especially if she's breastfeeding. If you've got back-to-back babies, this can be really challenging. If you've got an older infant or almost toddler is doing solids with baby led weaning, how can a mom prioritize? Because you feel like, you always feel like you're just giving half of yourself to each of the kid. Any tips for the postpartum mom? It's so hard. I know. So biggest tip, uh, get a baby wrap or a baby carrier and keep that baby just on you all the time. Some babies do better with being wrapped up like that than others. Some babies kind of feel, sometimes the older that they get, they struggle with the carrier, but most newborn babies are going to be totally fine on you all the time. So I think that is how the majority of the Irish twin kind of moms do it is they just baby wear all day long and it's okay. And it's perfectly fine, perfectly like amazing for baby because baby's right there on your skin. So you do what you got to do. When we're thinking about like, you know, it's going to be even harder if you're recovering from a C-section because those moms, they're in the bed. So that's more of where you're going to need some help. You know, you need your partner to be helping with older child. You need, you know, someone coming, a babysitter or a family member needing much more help. So again, don't be afraid to ask for help this is the time that you need it and it's perfectly fine and don't feel guilty about it at all. I remember when my twins were born, they were 38 weeks. I had a scheduled C-section, but the recovery was so much harder because I had quadruplet one and a half year olds and a two and a half year old singleton. So it's like not the actual baby that you just had that is so hard. It's the ones that came before it and trying to manage their expectations. And I literally remember like locking myself in my room and my husband's like, what are they supposed to have for lunch? And I was like, "Ah, I feel like you can figure it out. Like, yeah, because, you know, they wanted to jump on your stomach and play with the babies. And I was like, I couldn't get up and make food for them. And for that period, like we probably didn't eat the most nutritious food ever. And you know what? It's totally fine. And they live to talk about it. It's not the end of the world. And another big tip is ease of use. So when we talk about, and this is your subject more than it is mine, but something that I know can really, really help is like, if you need to get 
cut up watermelon versus like a big giant watermelon. Like Heck yes. go for it, pay the extra $3. It's okay. It's going to make your life way, way easier. Lean into the convenience <laughs> foods. Exactly. Yes. I agree. I'm not going to cut up the pineapple if I just had a C-section. But if we're trying the new food today is pineapple. And some of this you kind of can plan ahead of time. And again, you know, I know a lot of the moms listening are super planners. So, yeah. you know, we certainly can lean into some of those food preparation techniques or to batch cook. And I love that you mentioned the importance of accepting help, especially when people offer to make you food. Like, I feel like now people are like, oh, I'm just going to send you, you know, Grubhub or whatever, which is also super nice. But I think people still, like, if you say yes, that you'd be willing to try a dish that your friend makes, there's probably something in that that your baby could eat as well. And yeah. if it has a little more sodium than usual, it's again, it's okay. It's right. not the end of the world. It's okay. You need to be nourishing your body too, mom. And I think sometimes we, focus so much on our kids and what are they going to eat? It's like, well, what are you going to eat? You think about that first and then let's modify that to make it something that the baby can eat as well. At a time when change is constant and we are pulled in far too many directions, we need a way to stay present to life and to increase our ability to remain calm, think clearly, and maintain our well-being. Many studies indicate mindfulness improves our mental, emotional, and physical health. On a Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee, you can learn how to practice mindfulness and enjoy its many benefits. Tune in for guided meditations and to hear tips and advice from some of the most respected experts in the fields of mental health and mindfulness. The world truly can be a better place. It all starts with a mindful moment. Yeah. And a lot of times what I hear too is something that's really good is like something one-handed So maybe like a burrito or a sandwich that you can just hold with one hand because you'll learn very quickly (laughs) that like having one baby, you learn how to do stuff with one hand, but like having two babies, it's like even, okay, this is like a skill that I've mastered and I need to really, really master it with two babies. So one-handed foods, also very, very helpful. Well, that's what I got like, I remember my oldest, I never really did baby carriers because there's only one baby at a time. But once you have multiples, I was like, I mean, I know all of the benefits of baby wearing, but I was not interested in any of them. It was the hands-free thing. I'm like, wait a minute, if I figure this out and this feels snug and secure, and then I have both my hands back, I can take care of my other kids that need my help right now as well. Like that was a huge incentive. And I think it is for a lot of parents, like you need both of your hands to parent. And if you're pumping on top of it, like it's crazy. Dude. Yeah. And that brings up another one too is, okay, if you're pumping for some reason, let's do some education on pumping and how to be the most effective pumper that you can. Because there's a lot of, I mean, you know, there's like a lot of things out there that you can buy that you can do to make pumping a little bit easier. But yeah, pumping, having a newborn and having maybe a 10 or 11 month old is hard. So I would also say if Like set your expectations low and don't feel guilty if you can't meet that pumping goal or that breastfeeding goal. I have one friend in particular who she knew, okay, I'm going to try breastfeeding, but I know that he was 12 and a half months, I think when her second one was born and I'm going to try breastfeeding, but if it doesn't work out, I'm not going to beat myself up for it because I literally have a 12 and a half month old and a little tiny baby. So If that is your situation, it's perfectly okay. Breastfeeding is great. Breast milk is great. But happy mom is even better. So absolutely. And I think (laughs) as far as the, I always exclusively pumped for all seven of my kids. And with the twins, I had a friend come over and she had twins exactly one year older than mine to the day. 
And she showed me how to tandem breastfeed and she gave me the pillow. And I was like, I will try this because it like literally was making her feel better. But I'm like, I have no intention yeah. of tandem feeding these with, because I had five toddlers also. But I was like, I'll pump all day long. I freaking love pumping. I think it's like a vacation, a 15 minute break. <laughs> to this day, actually, my brother-in-law still makes fun of me because he used to be like, you know, you would say you would go pump and you'd be gone for like an hour and I'd be watching all your kids. And the other day, my kids are like, you know, five and six now. And I said to him, hang on, can you watch these guys for a second? I'm going to go pump. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he, he realized, he's like, wait a minute, you don't even have babies anymore. I'm like, no, I still use the excuse. Like nobody, that you, know, is so you funny. disappeared a pump. <laughs> Who's going to call you out on it? But the <laughs> pumping thing that saved my life was, and I was pumping before all these like cool, newer, hands-free pump things. Like this is like, you had a cord attached to you, which I liked. You had to take a 15 minute break. Sure, it was every other hour, but like you should sit down and just do one thing. Like I would just read a book, but the hands-free pumping bra, Whenever I see someone holding the flanges, I'm like, dude, you know, they make a bra for this. Like, yeah, you really don't need to have your hands involved. Like this bra does everything for you. And that's probably, you know, when you order something on Amazon, it's like you last ordered this or you've ordered this, like the hands-free pumping bra. It's like, you've ordered this 17 times because I get it for every <laughs> single friend. So I'm like, I saw you <laughs> holding it with your hands. Did you not know about the hands-free pumping bra? Yeah. I know. I remember doing that for one of my friends too, like going over to her house, newly postpartum and she was sitting there and I'm like, dude, like, do, 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 do. like, let me send you a hands-free pump. Like, you know, those things exist, right? It's like, wait, what? I don't have to like hold these things here. No, absolutely not. So yeah, totally agree with you. The hands-free pumping is awesome. And I do agree with you that like having the cord and going into a separate room can be so, so beneficial, especially someone like you who had multiples who like that break is you almost like need that break. So in contrast, I was the kind of person where I'm like trying to do all these things at once. And the stimulation was like almost too much for me at, at times. And it's like, I'm too overwhelmed. And yeah, I wonder if I had just done that with each pumping session, it would have been better. But again, not everybody's in that situation. You know, sometimes you have to, because you're like- I know, but I think we can, like, just like we encourage parents to make a peaceful yep. or try to create a stress-free feeding environment. Like it's not- if you have a toddler or another child and a dog and a, a TV, like there's a lot of distractions, but you can make some adjustments to make that a less stressful eating environment. And same thing goes with pumping. I used to remember how like serene and quiet the pumping room at the NICU was. And I was like, okay, my house is not like this, <laughs> but I could do a few things to make it like a little bit more quiet, a little bit more calm, like a little bit less stressful when I pump. And I really did try to like use it. It was literally my only time alone was like, as a time to take a break. And I think, you know, you need to obviously take care of yourself. And I know we throw the term self-care around a lot, but you can make these small adjustments to make it a more peaceful experience for yourself, which is, you're going to be more enjoying it if it's a less stressful experience and more Absolutely. likely to stick with it. And same thing about feeding yourself. And you're going to be making more. Yeah, like so many of my parents are like, wait, sit down three times a day and eat with my baby. Uh, yeah, you should be sitting down three times a day and feeding yourself. So when you're doing that, let's talk about how we can involve the baby. But some of these parents are like, oh, I never sit down and eat. Well, we maybe need to look at your schedule because you're now sharing mealtimes with your baby. If you never stop and feed yourself, uh, sorry, someone needs to stop and feed the baby. So you should be eating with them. Yeah. And you're also giving off a good, like, okay, if your baby always sees you getting up, running around to eat, maybe they're going to think that that's just a normal thing, right? And the last thing you want is a toddler that runs around and eats. Know, that's right? where choking risk goes through the roof, dude. <laughs> yeah. Keep them in that chair. Yeah. Babies eat in the high chair, toddlers eat in the high chair. Yeah, totally. One other thing I thought about too, when you were talking about pumping and making it easier is, or making it less stressful is they actually have some meditations on some of the meditation apps for pumping moms. And there's one that I listen to a lot and it was actually supposed to help with milk supply. And it involved you like tensing up and releasing at certain points 
but it's very, very cool. There's a lot of like, we're trying to make pumping a lot less stressful, like a lot easier and a lot less stressful. So that's a good tip too, is if you're into meditation, look at some of those meditation apps. Sometimes they're specifically for pumping moms. That's interesting. I never yeah. thought about that. Yeah. I know like the whole like making pumping less stressful. The only people who say that they like, I feel like pumping is awesome especially if you have multiples. I loved it because I was never going to be able to breastfeed quadruplets. Like I didn't even want to set myself up for that. I tried to latch and stuff, but I was like, what am I doing here? Like, what's my end goal here? Like, I don't want to just breastfeed one. And, but I remember people who say, oh, I hate pumping. I'm like, it's always the people who are good at breastfeeding who have the liberty to say, oh, I hate pumping. It's like, oh yeah, because you have an alternative. You actually know how to breastfeed or it's working for you. I'm not doing this because I want to. I either like physiologically can't or like psychologically can't. Like I understand the importance of breast milk, but I wanted to ask you about how when we ask for help, I mean, I think we're ignoring the elephant in the room is that for most of the moms who are newly postpartum, there is in many cases, another partner there, another parent. Now, obviously we have moms that are doing this solo and more power to them. But if you do have a partner, they sometimes don't know how to ask for help. How can we without destroying our relationship. But in the postpartum state, when you know hormones are crazy and sleep schedules are off, like what are some tips that you have for asking your partner to help out as you're trying to be feeding one baby and taking care of another one? Yeah. So uh, communication, <laughs> like That's why let's I be you, as I don't clear know <laughs> as humanly possible. I know. I barely know the answer too, because like we still struggle with this, <laughs> but Our marriage therapist tells us that communication, right? Okay, that goes back to everything. So I often find myself thinking in my head, I wish my husband would do this. I wish my husband would do that, but not actually saying it out loud. And when I say things out loud, they actually get done. There's no like, well, I don't want to do that. It's literally a matter of like whether I just clearly communicate with my husband on getting on this, that, and the other. I need help with this my life is a lot less stressful. (laughs) So work on communication skills. This is a piece in one of my courses too. It's in newborn basics of like things, conversations to have with your partner before baby comes, because that's a huge disruption that almost all parents face of like transition from going with, it's just us and we're having you know, fights that involve just us. And now we're having fights that involve baby and there's issues with communication. So- And a toddler or another baby, like it's And a a toddler or another baby. Yes, exactly. It's a lot. So definitely going back to communication, having those conversations, if you're still pregnant, having those conversations before even baby arrives, what are some things also that you like or you're good at about, you know, what's going on in your day? Like if you're the kind of person, like I'm thinking about somebody who's, newly postpartum. And I really do like to make breakfast for my kids. Like I like being in control of that. I don't like to off that to my husband. Like I don't like to ask him for that. But you know what I don't like? Like cleaning my kid up or, you know, cleaning up the floor, which I mean, let's be honest, like that's probably most people like the making versus like the cleaning up. But I'm way more apt to like ask my husband for that sort of help. And I feel like I'm, you know, we're more of a team because I like doing that. He doesn't care either way. So looking at some of the tasks that you like versus your husband or your partner likes and who's better at what. Um, My husband's definitely a way better cook when it comes to dinner. So he likes to cook dinner more. So it's like, you know, weighing like those daily tasks and those family tasks and seeing what works and seeing what doesn't and giving yourself grace of like, okay, 
We might think this is how the routine is going to go, but once baby's here, once second baby's here, wow, this is not what we anticipated and we need to like flip-flop or I need to do this and you need to do this and it's okay. We just need to figure it out. And also realizing that you're in the thick of it. Like I have to still remind my husband of that. Like we have a four-year-old and a 10-month-old and like we're still just in the thick of it. Like this is a hard time. It's not over. It's not over. Exactly. Okay. My tip for parents when they don't know how to ask for help or for moms rather I know for my husband, he's like not great in the kitchen. If I was like, make a lasagna, like, I don't want to see it. Like it would be yeah. a big mess, And but whatever. <laughs> Parents struggle with how to safely feed their babies meat. And yet dads have a tendency, like the only thing that a lot of dads care about in baby led weaning is like, dude, did that baby just eat pork? Like, that's so cool. And like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Here's a pork shoulder. Could you please make this into some sort of soft, shreddable pork that I can serve the baby in strips? Like he can do that. He loves it. And it's like, I don't even like making meat. So there you go. Yeah, You just made an important high iron food with a new texture for the baby to try. And I didn't have to do it. Yeah. And also when you make a pork shoulder, you make like a lot of it. So then you save all the extras and you can freeze it. Then you don't have to make pork every day. Right. So go with what they might be interested in or good at. Like he doesn't care about avocados, but the second the baby's going to eat lamb, he's like, that's pretty cool. So maybe (laughs) if you have a dad just twiddling his thumbs looking for something to do, give him a hunk of meat and tell him how to make it safe for baby led weaning. And that way he can be involved in feeding your family as well. Totally. And my husband does the same thing. I mean, I remember when my first one, he realized that like, oh, wow, he's not just drinking milk. Like he's actually eating food. Like I can actually prepare food for him. Like, this is so cool. Like I feel so much more, you know, because he's like used to me being the sole provider of nutrition of, you know, breastfeeding. And now it's like, oh, wow, this is like this whole new thing where I can actually get involved and I can actually prepare food. So yeah, very cool. Well, Liesl, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure chatting with you as always. Tell us where we can find you on the internet to learn more about everything before, during, and after giving birth. Yeah. So most people know me as mommy labor nurse on Instagram. There is a dot in there. So it's mommy.labornurse on Instagram post every day and do Q&As on the weekends. We talk about labor, birth, pregnancy, postpartum, breastfeeding, all that good stuff. So that's where I am on Instagram. And then my courses, all of my other cool things are on my website, mommylabornurse.com. And then I also have a podcast, which is just the Mommy Labor Nurse podcast. And we talk about, Katie, you were on it. So Katie's episode just came out this week. So there's lots of cool episodes on there where I dive into lots of other motherhood type things, birth stories and expert interviews and Q and A's and just there's all types of episodes. So awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. This was so much fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Liesl Teen RN. She's on Instagram at mommy.labornurse. Amazing information about, I love her birth it up course. So she's got a natural series and an epidural series. She's got a newborn basics class. Tons of great content for you on her Instagram page as well. And also her Mommy Labor Nurse podcast is a really great resource as well. So for those of you who are figuring out baby led weaning when you're pregnant, or maybe you want to do it for your second baby because you did traditional spoon feeding with your first and you're looking for a better alternative, go check out Liesl Teen's info. I'll link everything that she talked about in today's episode on the show notes for this episode, which you can find at blwpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? 
then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long.